Welcome to the Focused People podcast, where we explore the realities of leading teams and being human. With us today, Tom <laughs> McKay. Yeah, Tom, make Hello. a sound. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Kyle Gowinter. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Jeepers, that was overwhelming. Uh, wonderful to have you back, gents. Really good. Uh, what's the key thing that you've learned over the last week? Tom? There is always hope when you align yourself with the possibility of change. When you uh, slow down and stop and put yourself in a situation where you can reflect honestly about where you are, honestly about where you want, would like to be and allow yourself the hope of taking a positive step forward. It's very, very powerful. Love it. Kyle? I am busy feeding my child. Let me squeeze this yogurt for him real quick. And <laughs> all right, now I can respond. Eat your sandwich. So I, I heard something from Rick Elias. He's a VC slash CEO. And he was on the plane that went into the New York River. Uh, I forget the Hudson, um, the Hudson several yeah. years ago with, with Sully. Um, I forget his last name, the, the pilot, but he had 40 seconds, 40 seconds from announcement, you know, prepare for impact to hitting the water. And like all things, he took account of his life. Anyway, a uh, great conversation at, at the end. He says, uh, a friend of his always referred to making memories three first. And he said, have you heard of that? And Simon, the host says, no, I haven't heard of that. He said, a three for, you know, like a three for one make it three-dimensional. Now, this is my wording. I'd say make three-dimensional experiences. That's what makes for great memories. So I'm paraphrasing now. And yeah. a, a great, like say his, an example would be you're going for a hike. Okay, get out into nature. Hike in nature, one good thing. Do it with a friend, two good things. Have great conversation while you're doing it or share a great cappuccino at the end or something like that. It's like at least three and three things together. Right. And that will make for three in one, we would say uh, for a memory. Yeah. And, and if you can add four or five, that just makes even for better memories, better experiences. And I love that idea of like, all right, I'm going to go for a run one dimensional. Well, what if I make it memorable and, and invite my neighbor? Okay, let's do that. Yeah, absolutely. A, a three in one. Uh, and I'm aware that, uh, for example, you can do mindfulness walks. So you could take a walk and be thinking about, okay, I just want to look at uh, design. So as I'm walking, I want to focus on design in the trees and on the road and whatever. And you can focus on that as you're walking so that you're not just walking, but you're actually being mindful and taking in new information as you go, which helps you just to be grateful for other things as well. For me, uh, if I think of, of what I've been reading, what I've been learning, uh, one of the books I've been reading a lot is called Finishing Strong. And uh, one of the journeys, one of the stories, I forget who it is, uh, Jen talks about going to dog racing. 
he doesn't normally support it, but happened to be at a dog racing event or watching it on TV, I forget which. But basically, the dogs uh, are sprinting after the mechanical rabbit and trying to catch this thing, and there's a power failure. And the mechanical rabbit breaks down, and the dogs catch it. And it's not a rabbit. And they would have had to basically fire those dogs. <laughs> they would have to repurpose their lives because in chasing this rabbit, they're never going to chase that thing again because they've tasted and seen that it's not good. They've tasted and seen that it's actually just a piece of metal. It's not actually flesh and bone that they should have been chasing. And I guess that's what I've been thinking about a lot, and you'll probably hear it later in the podcast as well. But for me, this whole thing of what's it really all about? What am I chasing? What is it about for me? I think one of the challenges right now that we're experiencing is in particular how to manage with all of the challenges of the pandemic while we run our businesses and try and keep our lives on track as well. And so the, the suggestion for today that's come through has been about pandemic fatigue. Who'd like to kick off for us just a little bit of a definition? What do you understand by pandemic fatigue? Yeah, I think um, most importantly at the moment, very few of us expected that it would last this long. Mm. Uh, there, I've, I have met a few people who claim they were very clever and anticipated this, and they said with a sense of almost being proud. But I, I genuinely don't believe that the average human being uh, imagined it would carry on this long. Sure. And the challenge is that naturally, as our governments, various governments in the world went through different approaches, many of the people of the world have experienced restrictions. Here in South Africa, we went through a, a different level uh, process of restrictions. And for some people, uh, COVID has made them rich. Some people, it is, uh, if you're in, a, in the right business, you've done very well. But the overwhelming majority uh, have experienced a great deal of not just yeah. business difficulty but business financial loss and right. uh, the, the difficulty with that really is when you know it's going to last for a couple of months you're able to and you're able to plan yeah naturally you're able to control some of your costs you're able to uh, accept or stomach the loss or if you need finance you're able to get bridging finance to get you through yeah what's happened here is that we've gone through that process and now we're in a situation where it's going on to a year and you're going back into through the second wave and through increased restrictions and greater losses. Suddenly there's more funding required and the balance sheets are starting to look a little dodgy yeah. and things are becoming vulnerable. And the, the, so what's happening is that from a business perspective, the question arises is how long can we sustain this? Uh, is the first question. Yes. The second question is about how do I continue to, you know, all the modern things around creation and innovation and keep my staff upbeat and maintain a happy, positive culture. Uh, you know, your staff, some people's staff have been on a diminished salary for some time and, yeah. and they went back to normal and then 
the coronavirus has carried on and the restrictions have increased and people are now back to reduce salaries, etc. So from a business and personal perspective, financially, it's very tough when you can't plan. And that that's one of the major challenges uh, being faced by businesses. And from a personal point of view, <clears throat> naturally, it's a very challenging emotional time for people going yes. through the loss of multiple people who they know. Uh, it's that sense of fear. I've even had people say to me this week, man, I wish I'd had Corona because then I wouldn't have to wait until I got it. Right. People are going through different levels. And I think right now, what's, what's the hardest thing right now is to keep up one's positive spirit and one's energy. And I think that's what we mean by pandemic fatigue. It's a, it's a financial leeching. It's a business uh, leeching and yeah. an emotional one. Absolutely. And uh, the, the words of that U2 song come to mind where it was like, how long? We sing this song and the reality is not very long. We, we can't actually sustain it on our own. And uh, some of the stuff that uh, we talk about in terms of mindset, practices, support, as well as adapting one's lifestyle, all of those things are, are basically needing to be revisited. I know for myself, one of the things that uh, the, the crisis has really made me think about is my purpose. What am I here to do? What am I about as a person? And which things can I safely live without? And which can't I? And so, for example, uh, with the amount of debt that businesses uh, accumulated in the last while, which you mentioned, uh, one of the challenges is, uh, do we really need the house that we're living in? Do we need to have that asset? Or should we just really kill all debt so that we can live a lot freer and rent for a while? And uh, I think particularly, uh, particularly those who are of a younger generation than myself, the old man that I am, you know, uh, they don't see the same sort of value in accumulating property or assets. They're saying, what do I want to do with my life? And in many ways, I think it's taken me back 20 years in terms of where I was and asked that question of me. So what is it all about? Where do you want to be? What's it all about for you? Where are you going? And mm -hmm. I'm still committed to focused people and this dream that we have of really helping organizations to be healthy, sustain profit and their people. And uh, I'm prepared to sell my house for that if I need to. Uh, and I wonder how many others are in that place where they're saying, you know what? It's time for a change. And I wonder where I need to economize or how do I need to save my energy? How do I need to save something else? Those are some of the things that were going around in my head as you spoke as well and in preparing for today. Carl, what are your thoughts? I think there's a direct correlation between this idea of acceptance. Uh, this is the current state. Do I change my mindset or do I live in denial? Sure. And one thing that this has done uh, in the US, I believe it's it's lowered the river, it's lowered the tide, lowered the waters. And, and what happens when you lower the water, the boulders start to appear. Right. They, you know, all those little things, all the, the frictions that the water glides over, it's fine when the water's high, when you're doing well. But sure. when the tides have been lowered for everyone and, and some people are hitting major rocks, others haven't hit them yet. They, yeah. What it's done is 
even for someone who was very conservative and very prepared, that financially, going back to Tom's point, a, a healthy reserve is three to six months. So you can cover expenses for three, yeah. expenses for three to six months. Uh, so those with the most, meaning six months, uh, they figure, well, we can ride this out. We're, we're fine. I lost my job, but I got six months of reserves. I'll find another job. And by the way, leadership at the national level is telling me that this is going to disappear. This will be gone in a few months. We're talking weeks or, or whatever it is. And, and so when I think of fatigue, uh, what comes to mind are a few other words as disenchantment and belonging. And for someone who had a faith in leadership, and now seeing those who are in leadership positions but clearly are not leaders, they're, they're facing uh, disenchantment like, uh, or mm. denial. Like, they still have yeah. faith. They won't admit that these leaders are bad at what they do. And they still believe that what they say is going to come true and they haven't accepted. Once you accept it, going back to the example of someone who's three to six months of expenses, they lose their job. They keep looking for three months and they realize mm. if you accept it, this isn't going to change soon. Then you pivot. So only those businesses and those individuals who have who have pivoted, changed their career path or tried something new or went into a recession-proof vocation, only those have been able to keep above water. And a, a podcast that I've been listening to recently has been very encouraging, has been a bit of optimism by Simon Sinek. And I've gone back. I started, I said, this is so good. I went back and I started um, when he started at the beginning of the pandemic. And episode 11, he, he interviews this documentarian who is a colored Muslim woman. And she, she created a documentary called White is Right, Getting to Know the Enemy. And she embedded with white supremacists uh, a few years ago for several months and befriended them. And she's like, I'm the epitome of what they hate and yeah if if i'm ever scared of something that's the only way i can cope with it is that i get to know it i embrace the fe fear and it was the most scary thing i've ever yeah. done this was the second documentary she did the first one was embedding with jihadists and that interview with her was so mind-opening and, and what these people and this is getting back to the pandemic what they've accomplished in or what they found in the fatigue in losing your job in losing in some parts your identity and losing that place where you feel you belong they have found belonging in other groups yes uh, a white supremacist group is just another place to belong and what she found in in going through and embedding and getting to know these these men is that that's really all they're longing for. So I think fatigue and this pandemic fatigue is people who are thriving are those who, who have kept their belonging, kept a sense of community and understand I'm in it with these other people. They're in it. We've got jobs. We're, we're coping. That's what I'm in. I recognize that. My job is stable, being able to, to ride this out pretty comfortably. But those who have lost their jobs and lost some of their identity they either have to pivot and, and find identity in something else, find value in something else, or they've pivot, or they've moved to something that has given them belonging. Unfortunately, 
is led to more destruction. Wow. I want to pick up on that word denial as a defense mechanism and then come back to what you were saying about belonging and community and how we can find that, uh, the connection part of what we're doing. Tom, what are your thoughts uh, in, in terms of denial, people uh, basically trying to not acknowledge where they are, not accept where things are at? Perhaps just your thoughts around that. I think a, a very real way for me to answer that question, not academic, but more practical, is to tell you about what I've been through in yeah. the last week. And it was a process that I underwent uh, out of need uh, because I was feeling sure. bad, feeling like I've taken a lot of body blows, uh, not necessarily personally, but in terms of our business lives. Uh, part of our portfolio is in the hospitality industry. Uh, we, our family are involved in the operations of two hotels. And you can imagine that that is not very Absolutely. fun right now. And within the space of a week, uh, when you suddenly go into a new lockdown and all the beaches get shut down and you've got a beach hotel and you lose hundreds of thousands of dollars of business literally in the space of a short while uh, of guaranteed confirmed business uh, you know it's 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 not an easy thing to uh, and the costs continue to run it's it's not an easy thing just to be able to you know walk in the house and feel excited at the end of the day and um what I found was that I knew that I was feeling like the wind had been taken a little out of my sails. And I started going through a process of saying to myself, you know, I really need to get my head in the right space. Tomorrow morning, maybe I'll wake up and I'll, you know, I'll try and meditate or I'll try and go through some positive procedure for affirmations, get my head in the right space, re-energize myself. And the next day I woke up tired and I didn't get there. And then the kids woke up and I ended up, you know, helping them with breakfast and spent time with them. And it was great, but I could have sort of got into my day, went to work, had things to do. And another day went and another day went. And that sense of just my efficiency dropped, my effectiveness dropped, even though I was able to still do do my role. It, it wasn't with the normal energy yeah. or, and I wasn't feeling that satisfied or successful. And so I sat with a piece of blank paper and I realized that when I get into that phase in my life, it's not the first time I've been there. Whenever I had a confident, a, a crisis of confidence, I tend to have three ways in which I respond. The one way is that I actually go out and do something. I, I write a list. Sometimes I can be effective at tackling the list. And sometimes if I'm still feeling bad, when I say feeling bad, it's just, you're not feeling, you're not feeling optimal. You're not feeling great about where yeah. you're at. And there's a self-talk that comes in that says, ah, you know, you're not good enough to handle the situation. Maybe somebody else would know what to do. Uh, it's, it's whatever the, the things we say to ourselves and they're oh. subtle. I can, that action side of things can be effective for me, but sometimes it can actually be a little scattered and it can take me a few days to settle down where I'm a less effective than I should yeah. be. The other one that I do is sometimes I actually just avoid it. Fine, I get home, I'm tired, I have a cup of tea, the wife and I sit and watch something nice on TV and I go to bed. And I know the whole time I'm sitting there just 
not feeling great even though i'm i'm happy and i'm chatty inside i'm not feeling yeah. so good and the the third one is that i i start looking for help is i start looking for someone to save me so i i'll suddenly go and see a mentor but it's not always with that energy of hey i'm actually able to do this on my own it's that energy of i need to go talk to somebody they'll tell me what next or and it's a very interesting process because i i open i say that vulnerably because as i ran through that i realized this for me is a cycle that happens when things get tough and sometimes fortunately enough enough for me i'm a resilient person i'm determined and i've been lucky enough to have a positive demeanor so those states or cycles don't last yeah. long but what i realized in writing down that process i sat down and i wrote this whole thing down and i said and what happens next almost sequentially how this thing right. forms for me you know that sense of situation arises don't feel good feel bad maybe a little bit of doubt creeps in then i either act sometimes a bit scattered so it's hit and miss i avoid for a while or i go looking for someone to save me and from that um oar own it be accountable and be responsible you know at that point i'm actually at partly in denial i'm in denial about what's going right. on i'm i i haven't fully owned that i'm feeling bad and that when you're in that zone you reach out sometimes not always in the right direction or to the yes. right thing and it can take you a while to get out and it reminds me of this um this beautiful chapter that i read in a book called the tibetan book of living and dying it's called the five chapters and basically it says that i'm walking down a sidewalk i step in a hole it's not my fault uh, i don't know why i'm here and it takes me a long time to get out and then the next day i'm walking down a sidewalk and i step in the hole uh and it's not my fault but i sort of start to take a little bit of or well, maybe it was me and by the end of the the day 4 i think it is uh you know i stepped in the hole it's my fault i know how to get out and and by day 5 i walk down another street another sidewalk and on goes the journey of life <laughs> and i think i raised that because i wrote this process up and it and it made me realize that it isn't that we go through difficulties that makes us less it's that we chastise ourselves and take a really long time to be aware that we're in it that is that is one of the greatest things about denial taking accountability and responsibility and owning it isn't saying that you need to be perfect every moment of the day i certainly don't believe that i i've never seen a perfect individual in my entire life what i have seen is a whole bunch of people trying their best and i think that the greatest challenge for me is how long do i stay in that in that state and by bringing awareness to you i cannot tell you over the last week how much energy i've suddenly wow. got i did i did nothing new <laughs> i just wrote this process and i was so honest and vulnerable to myself sequentially and it showed me that denial is a very common thing in our modern age i know we're talking about denial at big levels and small levels but in each of our days how many people sit at night and watch tv and disappear into a series and i'm not i'm not removing that those things can be very joyful and meaningful for people yeah i'm just saying that that at the end of the day denial is 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 apparent in the way we live our lives and by bringing awareness you actually have a chance 
to be able to re-energize your life, re-energize your decisions. And that's what's happened to me over the last so week. So good. You know what, I just realized as you're talking that what is the opposite of denial? Acceptance. Acceptance. I would say ownership. Cool, I like taking, it. Taking ownership. Interesting. And I, I've just worked through listening to a book called Extreme Ownership. This was a few books <laughs> back. But that, I was inspired. And, and I led my reports. We have a monthly all-team meeting, and I, and I just lead it. And I led them through the lessons I'd learned from that. And they, they really enjoyed the discussion. And we talked about own, ownership, and everyone has ownership, you know, at the minor, ma- micro level and at the macro level. And, and I've started applying that more and more to my day to day. And it aligns with my religious beliefs, but I ne- wasn't ever able to tangibly put a word around it. Uh, and, you know, so an example um, in a relationship, I, I do something and, and my wife snaps. I'm like, whoa, that's an overreaction. Like, why do you, you know, that's not very nice. But I'm starting to learn and train myself to think, okay, hold on. Instead of getting defensive, instead of denying that I'm at fault, what part of that did I sure. own? Oh, well, m- maybe I shouldn't have said it that way. Or maybe it was my body language. Let me, mm. take, an, let me take a quick audit of what I'm looking like or the tone and what I'm saying and, and let me also try and be empathetic and like, what type of day do they just have? And, and maybe this was just a build up. So good. And so I'm trying to refine my reactions by taking more ownership. Like, even though it clearly is not my fault, mm-hmm. what part of it can I own? What could I have done differently? Sure. And, and a lot of the leadership failure out there is people not owning or taking ownership. And I see a lot of successful leaders are those who take immediate ownership. And say this look, this is not on you. This is on me. Even though you, your actions were the direct consequences yeah. mm. or led to the direct consequences, I could have led you better. I could have been so good. Yeah, you know, I just could have taught you better, you know, just taking ownership. Yeah, I mean you, you raise a such an interesting point. It's so easy to blame and to project, which goes with denial. Uh, it's defensiveness. It's a form of defensiveness that uh, mm-hmm. just basically denies courageous leadership and taking ownership and saying, I'm going to do something different. I was challenged by that. It's almost like looking for who's wrong or who can I blame? Can I blame myself? Uh, rather than actually what needs to change, what behaviors, what little things, what subtle tweaks. And I'm reminded of that 1% that the British cycling team spoke about, just a, a one degree a 1% difference of refining the gear that the cyclists are, are using, 1% change in the nutrition, 1% change in your exercise routine, and that how that ultimately adds up to the difference when I think it was Bradley who, who won the Tour de France with them as well. So, yeah, it's a subtle things, and I, I guess we're looking for big things. We're looking for massive changes, overarching miracles that are going to move things around, and they may happen, they're just not very likely. <laughs> and uh, it's a process going deeper into a state of kind of poor self-talk is a process that we've got to be aware of. And the more we're aware of those little steps, I was reminded of Dr. Aaron Beck's cognitive triad, 
where he speaks about uh, three beliefs in our self-talk that take us deeper and deeper into depression, actually. And the anxiety cycle then goes deeper. And uh, without getting into it too deeply, it's just basically where we feel worth less now that something has happened, where we feel less hope now that something has happened, or we feel that people care less now that something has happened. And uh, if, we can, if we hold all three of those at the same time, we end up going deeper and deeper from a light depression to mild to deeper over a period of time. And it's not the only variable, but it's one of a, the key ones. Just reminded of, of the, the importance of, like you say, what, owning what we can do. Uh, how do we find that hope? Find a community that's a caring community of people who actually care what happens to us, who are aware of what we're going through and aren't shocked by our, our challenges, who aren't shocked when we're actually going through tough times and are saying, look guys, I don't know what I've got to do. Do I need to sell my car to keep the business going? And to be able to confide in people and find that caring community that really is available to show, no, we do care. I was reminded of a friend of mine who was running a restaurant and just really hit that cycle where he, he hit midlife crisis and was feeling like, what am I doing with my life? I'm, I'm a manager in a restaurant. I've got double shifts many nights, you know, come in at 7 a.m., leave at 1 the next morning, not seeing my teenage boys, not actually being able to spend time with my wife. What's it all for? What's it about? And uh, we used to just meet for coffee. And it, it wasn't totally a hardship because the coffee was very good. And it was in one of the top malls uh, close to us, uh, Monte Cassino. <laughs> and uh, so I could say that just by connecting, by being there, we didn't have the answers. We just were able to sit there and go, you know what? A lot of stuff's going right. Let, let's try and find the hope. Let's try and find areas where you are worthy. And I was reminded of self-compassion as a word as you were chatting, Tom, that I think so, so often we're into this perfectionistic cycle or we, we just really are so down on ourselves. We don't give ourselves the space and the time to say, you know what, I've done enough for today. Let me take some time out. I'm actually going to go and just swim for a little while, or I'm going to go and take a run. Uh, I'm going to go and actually watch that series and finish it because the, or there's a book that I've wanted to read. I'm just going to give myself some time at 3 p.m. <laughs> to do that. It's no surprise that uh, when you look at some of the top investors in the world, uh, I think of uh, Warren Buffett, for example, he spends a lot of time reading, up to six hours a day, according to reports, reading. That seems to help him tremendously, creating space and time for himself, for some self-compassion. I'm aware that I'm talking a lot right now, so I'm going to pause there and ask for, what are you hearing that I'm not hearing? Or <laughs> <laughs> not saying, what it needs to be said? <laughs> Look, I, I, I think this this human life is is a is a fascinating one where we we balance maslow's hierarchy which most of us in the world i think are aware of uh you know with basic needs to more uh self-realization sure. needs and we, we balance our fundamental needs for you know this day a form of exchange to be able to pay for food and and education sure. and opportunity and enjoyment uh, we balance that um, side of life with the need for for uh, happiness and meaning. 
And I think one of the greatest challenges is that people focus on happiness and, and the desire for happiness. And the greatest challenge about happiness is that sometimes we just don't feel that happy. And uh, two things I want to talk about. One was, um, and, and, and obviously when we don't feel happy, it, we feel bad. <laughs> so I actually listened to a wonderful uh, YouTube talk the other day. I think the lady's name was Emily Smith. And she asked the question, is there more to life than being happy? And basically her, her talk was about that actually it's better to, to make a life based on meaning. Because when, when you want a life out of being happy, uh, when you don't feel happy, then you feel bad. Whereas when you have meaning, you can focus on serving others. You can focus on raising your children. Very good. You can focus on going home and, and being connected to your children. And that's enough because it brings mm. you meaning. Those sustain through happiness or not happiness. They, they go to your core and they drive you. And she spoke about four elements that make a meaningful life. She spoke about belonging, being in relationships where you are valued for who you intrinsically are and you value others and you base those relationships on love. She spoke about purpose and using your strengths to serve others. She spoke about transcendence and feeling connected to a higher right. reality. And she spoke about the importance of storytelling and creating a narrative for your life. And those four things being key to a life based on meaning rather than one searching for the next dopamine rush, you know, the next happy thing. Yeah. And it's a mistake all of us make from time to time. And, and I think if anybody is listening to this and is suffering from pandemic uh, fatigue in any, in any way, go back to your core, go back to what gives you Very meaning. Good. And I think what I gave myself the gift of this week was I was feeling quite anxious. And I finally sat down in a room by myself with a piece of paper and I mapped out just what was going on. I brought myself back towards myself and I created a few action steps that were mindful. And sure. it did the trick. I feel alive again. It's oh. given me a sense of direction and meaning and reminded me of the values that drive my life. And when you get into that state, the encouraging words are, you never know how far a change can go. 1% makes all the difference. And so if you can get yourself even slightly into a better mindset, or you can sit down and map out a few things for yourself that lead to positive things, it's so much better than doing some of the things that I do <laughs> from time to time, like avoid or think that I can't do it or let the self-talk erode me. Just Believe in yourself and, and give yourself that space mm -hmm. to do so. I would like to add to that, Tom. I believe the core of happiness is gratitude. And I believe if you're unhappy, you truly are not recognizing what is around you and what you should be grateful for. You're looking at the people above you and not considering the people below you, those who have less, those who are in worse conditions. If you can list those things that you're grateful for, it, it will immediately start changing your mindset. Um, and one tangible thing is, if you're making that list, like you said, to put yourself in a room, think about meaning, ask those questions. Also, I'd say, write a thank you card. You don't have to yeah. send it, but there, there is something you are thankful for, guaranteed. 
and that will immediately change. Uh, so a realization that I have come to in this pandemic, a professional realization, and, and I think it is a life realization, is that um, life is very short. And those who we deem to be successful, you know, those who have made it, the, the superstars out there, a majority of the, I'd say all of them, there's a huge element of luck, just a huge element of luck, right time, right place, right connection. All of those people you can trace back uh, to a point in time where it's like they're in the right place yeah. at the right time. And when you're talking about work and talking about promotion and talking about getting ahead and that type of thing, if, if you're in that race and you think that you can force the issue, if only I put in a few more hours or if only I get this project done or that project done, and it's like you're eliminating yeah. a huge factor. And that's the factor of the human connection, the the relationship that someone may have with someone else that may have a history with someone else. And it's like, you got to realize that there's an element of luck that you're not going to be able to force. You're not going to be able to change. And when you realize that as I have, it's, I'm going to do my, I'm going to do the best that I can do. And that's good enough. Even if things yeah. go sideways, I couldn't have done better. It's not a matter of me not trying hard enough. Combine that with what do I have? What can I be grateful for? Gave me a totally different perspective. Mm. Made me a much happier, contented person. You know, instead of working an extra hour because I believe that it's a meritocracy <laughs> and I'm going to get the raise because of my merit and turning off the computer and going downstairs and spending an hour with my kids and seeing the joy in their faces, that is so much more meaningful. Hmm. And that is something I'm very grateful for. Kyle, I'm aware that uh, we're on very different time zones. Uh, you're early morning and we're coming into late at night. Uh, and I so appreciate you making the time to do this. And uh, if I could add anything to what I've heard from you as well, just to underline the meaning aspect in what we were saying, the purpose and the meaning. I remember Viktor Frankl in Man's Search for Meaning talking about those that survived the concentration camps as he observed them and as he was getting on his own route out of the concentration camp, on his own journey. If I summarize, he said everybody had something significant still to do. That joy set before us that makes us look ahead and say, that's what I've still got to do. It's something meaningful. It's deep. It's something that's significant that I'm excited about. And I hold that out in front of me and that's going to be true to my core. I'm not going to deny who I am and what I bring. And these little steps, these, uh, these nuggets of gold that you're sharing, uh, I guess for me the one that I'd add is trust your creativity and your creative voice as well. That sometimes when you're lying in bed as you in that sort of alpha state of consciousness often, just before you knock off, you switched out the light and you're about to go to sleep or early in the morning as you just wake up, there's, it's like a fertile seedbed moment in your consciousness where quite often creativity hits. And if you allow yourself to just let your mind wander a little bit, sometimes creative thoughts and ideas come to you. And if you'll write them down, I've been a songwriter for more than 20 years and I can tell you that if I don't write down a song or, or a lyric, it's gone and it never returns. But if I honor that thing, and even if it sounds dumb, record it, later on you can always delete it and go, no, 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 that was, 
That is, uh, what do you say, say in the States? That is some bad chili, man. <laughs> uh, or we would say in Durban, Tom. I've never heard that of being in the States. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tom would, Tom would say it's bad curry from Durban. Um, yeah. Trying to curry favor and all. Um, but yeah, I think uh, I found that just seizing those moments when your mind gives you ideas or when the community gives you ideas, Sometimes it's just good to run with it and see where it goes and just explore. Uh, share them with others and that you trust and take it for that, uh, for, for what it is. Thank you for taking the time to join us. This is the beginning of a conversation, not the end of one. We're on this journey as much as you are, challenging ourselves in times of fatigue to find the purpose, to find the little adjustments, the activities and uh, the inspiration if anything that we've shared uh, makes sense to you, won't you drop us a line, encourage us with uh, what's moved you and share with us your challenges. We'd love to support you in any way we can, business and individually. Reach out to us via focusedpeople.biz or via social media. Thank, Thank you, so you guys. guys. It was a, another meaningful, meaningful chat and anybody listening in, keep your spirits up. And luckily enough, this won't last so good forever. <laughs> so true. <laughs> and uh, you know, better days are going to come. So, cheers to yeah. be ready. And look for those things to be grateful for. I'm grateful for this group. It, it, this wouldn't have happened if it weren't for the pandemic. So, look for those silver lines and just write them down. Make sure you're grateful. So good. Thank you, gents. Strength. Strength. Be safe. Be, be focused, focused, people. people. <laughs>